0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. And Mike. Great news. Americanage is sponsored by Mancave, the natural, no-nonsense, high-performance grooming range for men who know what they want. And Mike.
1: Hello and welcome to America Carnage. It's show 215. Today is Tuesday, the 14th of June, 2016. And you know what that means? American mu- Carnage chattery.
2: <laughs> Too With much a Canadian Nat. twang.
1: With a Canadian twang. Nat Coombs is off doing his own Nat thing. And. Website I'm work. Website work, girl. that's what he says, yeah. I'm Iron Mike Carlson. I am sitting in the chair of power controlling this week's show. Hollywood Dan Lowe, in the house as usual. Hi. and our, always here. Yeah, I know. Sometimes. We're kind of spotty on attendance these days. I think we should get a pin for good attendance, like we did when I was in elementary school in America.
0: Uh, I want Americanage listeners to vote in, do you think I'm here the right amount? Too little. <laughs> or,
1: or too, too late. That's a good one. That's a good vote. And sitting in the empty chair that would be occupied by Nat, or by me, actually, because I would be moved before I moved over, Eric Jensen, who's still got a ways to go to catch up to Phil Spooner as our number two guest. Spooner.
2: Yes, I don't know. I think I Spooners. Phil is about four. Of them. Appearances ahead of me or five or something like that? I can't have that. Well, I'll tell you what. Listen,
0: give me a couple of Canadian dollars, which are quite strong at the moment, based on the crashing of the sterling, <laughs> and I'll tell you what. I can make some of Spooner's previous appearances go away. <laughs>
1: I like the way you're thinking. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's my Newman. Spooner. For, yeah. <laughs> For those of you new to America Carnage, Eric Jansen was the producer of both the Channel 5 baseball shows and the Channel 5 NHL shows. And by coincidence, we'll be talking MLB and NHL. Those are the salad days. They were he also created
0: days. the Girls Gone Wild franchise <laughs> before a, a period of jail time prevented yes. him from furthering that into Nickelodeon.
1: What kind of dressing goes on those salad days? That ain't mayo. (laughs) That ain't mayo. Now, in sponsor news, for Father's Day, and Father's Day is coming up this Sunday, in case you've forgotten, Man Cave, our buddies and sponsors, have 20% off all gift sets and buckets. So go over to Man Cave, mancaveinc.co.uk. You don't even have to mention America Carnage this time. You'll get the 20% off anyway, but tell them Iron Mike sent you. So and you said
0: Forefathers Day. Well, as in like for your forefathers. Yeah,
1: Forefathers Day. You have That's to buy gifts. The you have to buy
0: aftershave for people who you never even met. Because like years ago.
1: Yeah, but you know, it's way. It's a way of paying tribute to your ancestors. Our <laughs> other sponsor buddies, go to unibet.co.uk forward slash AmeriCarnage and claim your 25-pound deposit. Bonus and waste it on a bet that we'll suggest to you if you're really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, I didn't really mean that. Uh, but coming up on uh, Friday, game six of the NBA Finals, the C- Cleveland Cavaliers, as you will hear uh, from Dan later on. Uh, have extended it to six games. They're back in Cleveland, and they will be odds-on favorites, 17-24. to Golden State Warriors, 23-20. Now, I don't know what Dan may think, but I suspect the NBA will have a slightly vested interest in getting this series to seven, back to yeah. seven on a Monday night. Probably the biggest rating any basketball games ever had in the United States because they've already had a couple of big ratings for this series. So names. Cavs seventeen twenty four. If you like you like odds on bets, um, long uh, short odds bets, that might be the one to oh go definitely to.
0: take that. Don't put your house on it, but put most of it on. Right.
1: Well, the twenty five pound free bet is hardly your house, so don't, just stop, safe don't there.
0: just stop. Don't just stop with the twenty five pounds. I cannot <laughs> stress that enough. Don't
2: <laughs> give up the deed to the ranch. Do or you can use your twenty five pounds for the euros because I think people are thinking. Albania, the new Leicester City. Yeah, they are a sexy pick
0: in all senses of the word. But
2: if you
1: if you like women's basketball, you who doesn't? Who doesn't? You can get one to twenty on Belarus against South Korea. (laughs) South Korea, but now they're one to twenty. But South Korea is just seven to two. Sorry, sorry, seventeen to two. But that's eight eight to (laughs) one. That doesn't seem fair. I, think, I can just imagine, like, Daddy,
0: Daddy, come tuck us in. Read us a bedtime story. You haven't done it in months. Sorry, kids, I'm betting on women's basketball. <laughs> I can't.
1: Go, Go to s- bed now. Makes sense to me. And now, having uh, exhausted our betting possibilities, let's move on to three points, with which we often, in fact, always start the show. Eric, what being the guest, you have a three-point.
2: Well, let's point. see. What have I been up to? Uh, you know, I went to Blenheim Palace. Uh, why, you ask? Why Why did, did you go to Blenden Palace? Well, it was a combination of two things. I had to work there, and it was my parents were in town, so it was a double whammy. I got to take my parents to Blenden Palace. So you took them to work. Uh, because they were unveiling the new five-pound note. Whoa. Oh, the plastic note. The plastic note. And uh, why were they inv- unveiling it at Blenheim Palace of all places? Um, because Churchill's on it. Because Churchill's on it. And Blenheim oh. Palace is... Churchill's Church home, Churchill's his birthplace. It was his
1: birthplace, yeah. Yes, and so
2: yeah. So, so the funny thing is, Mark Carney was there, the uh, Canadian head of the Bank of England, exactly, mm. and then he was there. And then he was walking around, and cameras were asking him. And he was being very uh, diplomatic. He didn't answer any questions about the Brexit, EU exit, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he said, "Let's just talk about the new five pound note. It's waterproof. It's tear proof. <laughs> it's uh, stain proof." <laughs> and uh, excuse
1: me, Mister Carney, is it Brexit proof?
2: Uh, that's uh, to be determined. Uh, but my dad embarrasses me Goes and because he, he, he had a uh, $20 Canadian bill on him, which is also made of the same kind of tough titanium plastic that uh, this new 5-pound old will be. Being. And he goes, Mark, uh, look, I got the, the, the Canadian 20. And then, then my dad and Mark Carney were talking to each other. and goes, where are you from, Montreal? Oh, really? And then they start that <laughs> Hockey. And I'm like, oh, my God, what, never bring your parents to work. No. Don't bring – you know, it's – my dad took me to like bring your son to work day but never never the reverse and no, father's day is Sunday and listen to you I know it's just, oh, it's just dad, that's cool we? oh
0: Eric why can't you be more like that lovely Mark Carney he's running an entire <laughs> bank
1: is Eric's father a Pakistani oh yeah <laughs> you sorry, I
2: see what you're doing there because it's like you know the you know a lawyer a doctor woman, well, but, yeah. but you know what, what? another thing I, I, I like to put is one of my three uh, points you only have to do one Oh, because oh, because, okay. We I, do three. I, I, okay, so well, you, I know. I know not, so. No, you go ahead. But, but I'm i just. Is, I don't. want you not have to dig up one B. Uh, I Ooh. cracked my iPhone today. Oh, oh no. everyone's doing that. And I think that's because they're making them more slippery and hard to hold on. And I think. Mm-hmm. It, and of course, I kept on promising, promising myself, I'm going to get a case. I'm going to get a case I'll eventually. And of course, I was cracked. Maybe. So I to be the poster child of. Get your case uh, safe iPhone, or cover it in Cosmoline, which will make it even slower. Buy a condom and put poke some holes in it. Totally, that's the most important. I can thing never right
1: believe. Now. I safe always see phoning. these people walking around with the phones in their back pockets, and I'm just amazed they don't sit on them.
0: Yeah, I reckon they do. Yeah, I mean, almost everyone. If you look over someone's shoulder nowadays and they're texting, almost everyone has a cracked phone screen. It's because people are walking into things. Yeah. People are dropping their phones. I think they've made the phone more slick and slippery so it drops out of your hand so that you just have to pay for it. It's an insurance scam. It is. Which preys upon our utter stupidity and self-obsession. Who
1: could go wrong?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Now, he went to Blenheim Palace. You went to Wembley Stadium, but I don't know if that's going to be your three-point.
0: Oh, I right. I will make it my three-point. Oh, point. there we go. What that the is- heck? Uh, yeah, I did the Stockholm Marathon last weekend and straight after... That I got on a Ryanair flight. I don't know if you heard about these guys, Ryanair. Oh, yeah. Don't fly with them. (laughs) Well, you know. Oh, my God. They shove you into a small room in a kind of like off the... The Ryanair airport in Stockholm is very rural. Yeah, it's not
1: Arlanda, is
0: it? It's not near, and (laughs) they try and put you in a strange holding pen which is basically just children vomiting all over each other. It's like that bit in Stand By Me, except with brown children's vomit. Stand By
1: Me. It's Stand oh. By Me. Get it?
0: No, you want to stand away from them. <laughs> it's pretty horrendous. Uh, so eventually then we got on a flight. We got one of those rust buckets, which is going to fall out the sky any day now. But it did land safely, and as soon as we got there, I had to drive top speed, Although keeping within the speed limit, of course, of course, but going as fast as my car would take me to Wembley Stadium, where I met you and Nathaniel, and we watched Bruce Springsteen play a melange of the hits.
1: The boss was boss.
0: Why my sort of aim for the marathon in Stockholm was to try and finish quicker than Bruce Springsteen completes a set. <laughs> and I've got to say, I was surprised. Uh, I got quite close. I was surprised at how long he played for, which was even longer than the last time I saw
1: him, which was long. I left after the second song of the first encore. Yeah, a lot more. I had a bus replacement service to cope with once I got the train home, and um, that was already he'd been playing for three and a quarter hours. Yeah,
0: it went on for a fair bit longer after that. Yeah, he did about three well, the other side of three and a half hours, I think. Um, And very little time spent off stage. He'd kind of go off stage and then kind of come back on again, and. um, yeah, it was. Uh, he played a lot of. I'm not. I'm not an obsessive boss completist. Uh, but the two things that I noticed while I was there, 100, percent has had lots of work done. Uh, yeah. I know we not, might not like to think this about Bruce Springsteen, blue collar poet yeah. of the American working <laughs> class, but starting to resemble David Guest a little bit, and lots and lots and lots of songs I. Only really knew a tiny bit.
1: Yeah, so me too. I mean, a lot of stuff later, later stuff that I haven't paid as much attention to as, as the earlier stuff. He did tougher than the rest in tribute to mm. my third point, which will be coming up shortly. And I thought, I, I've seen him three times. Yeah. Tanglewood, outside, 1,500 people, 1975, before he was what? big, which was great. Wembley in '85, which and I was sitting up on the top deck, and it wasn't very good. But the atmosphere was still relatively intimate for an 80,000 yeah. seat, but where you're hearing it on tape delay, basically. And I thought the atmosphere on this one was really good, and the show was really good. Yeah. I mean, he, he's really... It's, he's it's a, a combination of slickness and genuine enthusiasm and, yeah. and spontaneity, um, and they, they do it very well.
0: Well, yeah, there's also a, a certain lack of spontaneity because the last time I saw him, a lot of the stuff that he's doing on Waiting for a Sunny Day and all the stuff with the kids plays out exactly yeah. the same way every single and time. And his
1: violinist, because way back when he yeah. had, had one, now he's got another, but she looks more and more like Beverly Sills all the time, so you kind of know how old they're getting. <laughs> I yeah. think I think Mrs. has had a bit of work done too.
0: Yeah, I think they, they all have, um, even little Stephen. Um yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was it was a lot of fun. But standing up, uh, especially when I had a blood blister, was oh. frankly one of the most messed up things He ever took ever. his
1: shoe off. Yeah,
0: during the Encore, I took my shoe and socks before off. Before
1: the Encore, and showed the state, yeah. 80,000 people, his big blood blister on like his foot. I've got Kurt, the photo. Kurt Schilling-esque? Yeah. Yes. I've yeah. got the photographic It's evidence. pretty
0: crazy. Like it, I basically had this kind of massive uh, um, black pudding on my foot for a while. But it I was full off of floss. It was pulsating. Um, but it's it's shrunk down to manageable size now, and I'm going to have it removed uh, with a scalpel um, with some crackheads tomorrow.
2: Oh, cool! I'm, I'm hungry cool. now. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, if you if
0: you want to uh, have a look,
1: as I suggested when when Springsteen played tougher than the rest and in tribute to Muhammad Ali, that's my three point it would be Muhammad Ali, whose memorial service was Friday. I was on the World Service doing News Hour, which they asked me to come in for an hour to. They had a reporter in in Louisville, and to sit with the guy in the studio in London, and fill blanks and stuff like that. And I wound up being on for four and a half hours oh, my goodness. Um, through the whole of the service, which went on forever. Um, Billy Crystal got up and said, um, you know, before he started speaking, he said he had a, he has a beard, and he said, you know, when I when I came here this morning, I I was clean shaven, but, um, he was great. You know, um, there were a lot of stirring things. Rabbi Michael Lerner was just like, it was back to the barricades in the sixties. Um, Lonnie Ali was, was fantastic. Uh, There were a a lot of really nice tributes and and moving stuff. And and it was decidedly ecumenical, inclusive, um, everything you would, you would want from something like that. And, um, you know, of course, we then had had the tragedies um, over the weekend, but it didn't take long. I mean, people like Piers Moron were trashing Ali before the memorial service when he when he died, saying mm-hmm. things like, you know, if uh, if Donald Trump said the things about black people, Ali said about white people, you know, he'd be. But Bill O'Reilly, right, almost as the service ended, tweeted out that Ali's legacy as succumbing to the pressure of evil Muslims is how he would see it. And so I thought that was just a nice a nice touch. But you know, this is a man who I don't think will see his kind or like any time in the rest of
2: our lifetimes. One of my enduring uh, memories of Ali, which is obviously later in his life, the two thousand and three baseball All Star game in Houston when he came on to do the ceremonial first pitch, and uh, it was you know he he was already suffering heavily from uh, from par- uh, Parkinson's. And just did one of these he, he held a baseball and he turned to the camera, which was on the jumbo and everything and he and he started uh shadow boxing with the camera you know and and even with his you know with his tragic disease that eventually took his life, it was one of those enduring moments and and that but the, the thing that tarnished to that year was Bob feller former uh mm. pitcher uh he he complained and he was appalled that Ali was part of the ceremonies, the opening ceremonies of the All-Star Game because Bob Feller served mm-hmm. his country and he said, why should a draft dodger be allowed to uh, be part of these ceremonies for America's pastime? And that's, that's such a petty uh, you know, There
1: petty were a arguments. couple of people. There was a Texas state legislator who got a lot of publicity by tweeting that Clashes Clay was a draft dodger and didn't answer his question. Go- now, he wasn't a draft dodger. He was a draft refuser. Conscious, conscious objector. objector. Um, you know, he didn't dodged the draft he went in and refused to serve and and basically got punished for it although eventually the supreme court stopped him from having to go to jail um as he might have done so you know for lots of us it was a it was a noble stand and you know for someone who had stuff on the line and and to watch you know america going to war over the past couple of decades led by chicken hawks who dodged the draft you know and and then hear them uh complaining is is kind of bad at the 96 olympics yeah. I've been to a lot of Olympic games and it's difficult to get moved by some of the stuff at ceremony, Olympic ceremonies. And I've been to Atlanta and it's very difficult to get moved by anything when you're in Atlanta. But Ali lighting the torch
2: that is, an enduring is
1: one of the more moving things I've seen. And I watched it on TV. I was, I was in Atlanta working the Olympics, but I wasn't at the ceremony. Uh, one of the more moving things I've ever
2: seen. And that, and that was for the Summer Olympics, not the Paralympics. And that's, that's how, you know, he was held in high esteem, that he was, of course, a former, you know, professional, you know, and that's, that's, you know, his legacy does live on, like you said. And two
1: things, I think, from the early part of his career. People ask where it came from. Ali's, a lot of his style... And self-promotion and promoting the fight, you know, as he said in I Am the Greatest, you know, all the man with style and dash brought the fight fans running with cash, and that was the, the whole aim. But a lot of that was borrowed from professional wrestling, and he was the guy who brought mm. professional wrestling into modern sport, and And I don't think guys like Fred the Hammer, Williamson, Joe Namath, uh, you know, Joe Peppett, the early kind of glamour guys in, in sports in the 60s, probably wouldn't have Got there had it not been for Ali. But when people ask what the root of his discontent was, if they can't understand what segregation was like in the United States, when Ali won his gold medal in Rome, he wore the medal night and day for, for a week afterwards and and stayed in his Olympic uniform. Dick Schapp, the famous sports writer and great guy took him into New York and all. He went through Times Square wearing his Olympic uniform with his gold medal on. He went back to Louisville and he got up one morning and, and put this this stuff on and went downtown Louisville thinking, now I've won an Olympic gold medal. I can have lunch in in Louisville. And he went into some restaurant, sat down, and the guy said, what are you doing here? And he said, I, I want to have lunch. And He said, you can't have lunch here. He said, I'm an Olympic champion inside, you know, for, the, for the country. And he said, you're an Olympic, and he used the N-word, and now as Ali used to tell the story he threw the medal into the Ohio River but I think it's going to turn out he didn't actually do that that he actually saved the medal because it didn't mean that much to him but that's the root of the whole thing I think it all boils down and at that point he knew that he was a champion of the world he knew he could control his destiny and he decided he was going to do just that you know anyway great man Muhammad Ali uh, sport kind of transcending sport Let's move on to uh, the week's roundup and let's start with the NHL, because Eric is our guest and Eric knows all things. How to segue from here. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Wow. Cool, eh? Hey girl, you know we've been together for a long, long time now. Next week is my birthday and all. So I was thinking, what'd be really hot is if you grew a mullet, put on some skates, and cross-check me into the bedroom wall. Honey, child, we're playing hockey now. The
2: Stanley Cup of 2016 was won in six games in San Jose. But it was Pittsburgh captain Sid the Kid Crosby who lifted it victoriously for the Pens as they beat the Sharks 3 1, claiming Lord Stanley's chalice for the first time since 2009. Now, Sidney Crosby was the youngest captain to ever lift the trophy way back then. Seven years later, do we really still call him Sid the Kid? I mean, let's face <laughs> it. It's like it, it's, he's going to be 29 in August. Uh, well, do you think he's gonna? You know, the age is going to slow him down? No is the answer. Because let's face it, he not only won the Stanley Cup for Pittsburgh, he only won and won the Smythe Trophy, which is, of course, the series MVP. But his stats don't reflect what he exactly did on the ice. There's a reason why he wears a C on his Pens jersey. It's all about leadership. He assisted on two goals in Game 6, sure, but he also blocked the puck on an empty net. He was that hungry for letting this cup getting back to Steeltown. That seven-year itch was getting to him, and he led by example. Some Penguins confessed afterwards that Sydney's intermission team talks were emotional, inspiring, and beyond motivational. Uh, This was by no means... Sidney Swan song this year. I let's, let me. Oh no! How does penguin
1: have a Swan song?
2: I like the way you're thinking. <laughs> uh, now th- there's already talk about repeat 2017. This is a Pittsburgh team that's in its prime, like Sidney Crosby. This is a team that has matured, like Sidney Crosby, and a team that has developed to what it is now, champions of the Stanley Cup. Now people keep reminding me and mocking me that that you know yes. This is the first time in over forty years that no Canadian teams qualified for these Stanley Cup playoffs. But one thing is for certain: Sydney, the adult Crosby, will be bringing Lord Stanley's Cup to Cole Harbour, Nova Scotia, for one hell of a party.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How come the Penguins can't win win at home? How come they ever win the Cup at home?
2: Exactly. No,
1: well, no I, Pittsburgh team. I know ever it's, wins. it's amazing, isn't it?
0: Never clinches the uh, the trophy on home ice or turf or dirt. Or anything else. It's very like it. It's so odd that after all of um, the sort of unpredictability of the last few years, when it's been teams who haven't been the Chicago Blackhawks, who've looked like the really uh, the only and maybe the Kings as well, um, who looked like the only sort of hockey team set to dominate that the team that sort of no one really thought. I certainly never thought the Pens were going to go all the way this year.
1: I didn't call it the the no. the at the beginning of the season because I was all over the Canadiens at the beginning of the season. But I think you didn't start playoffs. and there were not that many people. I, who, I was calling it from the playoffs. Really? Yes, I indeed. I remember that. Ask Nat.
2: I was wondering. He picked I'm, it for Unibet. I'm still wondering whether the Blues would have given more of a challenge for them. I think it would still have been the same result. Pens no, were. I think the
0: Pens definitely would have won it. I mean, I think like, but I, I sort of kind of felt that once the Caps were out and they were clearly going to do what the Caps do in the playoffs. Um, that it would be yeah. Tampa Bay would make it all the way through and that Tampa Bay would potentially win kind of where they sort of failed to win last year. Um, I never thought at any point that anyone from the West, once the Blackhawks were out, uh, even though the Blackhawks never looked particularly good, but I never thought anyone from the West was going to make it. And I think what's kind of quite weird about the Sharks is that like on, when, that, when that series started, you just thought, I just can't see this team beating the Pittsburgh Penguins. But as it's gone on, even though they it wasn't particularly close, there's kind of a lot to admire in that team. That's a really they got good some great goaltending, or else really it probably have. wouldn't
1: have been that that close. Because the, the Penguins dominated. Even the game they lost, they dominated. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And,
2: and and of course, my favorite thing about all this is Phil Kessel. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and all these blue, uh, sorry, all these Maple Leaf fans right now going, yes, Phil Kessel. Now, when Phil Kessel was uh, he was uh, vacationing in Las Vegas last summer when he was told of the trade to Pittsburgh, Woo-hoo! and uh, <laughs> he was very, you know, he, he did you know, his press conference. He was like, "Yes, well, you know, it's, it's sad leaving Toronto. It's uh, it'll be uh, turning the page and going to Pittsburgh as a new chapter in my life." When deep inside, you can just tell he's going, "Oh yeah." <laughs> yeah. Well, they, the
1: sports pickle put up a fake ad that Phil Kessel supposedly put in the papers in Toronto. Thanking them, thanking them for trading and, and giving a big <laughs> <sniffs> to all the all the Maple Leafs fans who blamed him for years for everything that went wrong with the team. But it, it actually makes sense in a way, because I mean, great a player as he is, he needs a supporting cast and, to make him make him good, and, and he never had ca- that in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And what yeah, a cast 100%. that is in yeah. Pittsburgh, you know, yeah. with
2: Malkin and and the good thing is as well, it was Pasquale De song song actually, uh, so it's quite a good way to go out. And, with this and I
1: was talking up Matt Murray. Memory. early on and, yeah. and comparing him to Ken Dryden and like Dryden he has a knack for making I mean he only had to make you know 18 saves in, in the final game I think but he made one or two big ones That's that right. changed the tempo of the game and he did that in all, every game except the one they lost really
0: yeah and if they'd stuck with Marc-Andre Flory then I think that would have been a different think, story that would have been the difference between Definitely. the Pens like winning any of the series yeah. I mean he was as... the most
1: valuable guy against uh, Tampa yeah, say. well, that's yeah. the. I think I that's know.
0: the end for Flurry in, in Pittsburgh Maybe. now, isn't it? They can like, if they, they, they can, can probably get something for him. Yeah, well, but he's, he's pretty expensive. Yeah. Plus, the other guy who
1: should think. get some talking up is Mike Sullivan.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's because it's that's not really that's a team that when he took over was was a kind of in, bunch of forgotten men. Really, yeah. they were kind of. Um, it seems so odd that if you went back in time to like 2009 and said like, yeah, these guys won't win again for seven years, like, and actually. Sid the Kid will kind of like go from being the kind of great hope of the game to someone who's been kind of outskated, outfought and outscored by a lot of other people. I mean, not every single season, but he's no longer one of the kind of, um, the probably the top five players in the game, I would think, exactly. before this
2: year. And this is with health problems as well in, yeah. in, in those uh, seven years since, you know, so a few concussions thrown in there and he's bounced back, no pun intended, and uh he just played he played at, like he
0: never went away in the last couple of games. Played out of his skin in, in that six game series,
2: mm. unbelievable.
0: But the player, the player, my kind of uh, my player of the series, and I know I kind of keep giving want to give the um, the uh, the San Jose Sharks a sympathy hand job, but I got to say, like Brent Burns, I thought like put him on any other team, and mm-hmm. he potentially is the difference between them sort of winning and losing. Really reminded me a lot of Duncan Keith in the year mm-hmm. where Good the Blackhawks won. Uh, the when they won the first time recently, um just gets in the way of absolutely everything, and is a real kind of goal-scoring defenseman um, and a, a, one of the most creative players on the ice.
1: Well, both teams have a guy like that, and, and neither yeah. of them get enough attention. You yeah, know? and it really is central.
0: I think, well, Brent Burns gets a lot of attention because he looks funny, but uh, <laughs> and, and because he's considered to be kind of quirky, and because he's got a he's got a personality which is slightly above a potato, which is more than you can say uh, about most hockey players. But man, that's a player I'd like at the Canadiens, uh, well, But no, why would he ever go there? Well,
1: speaking of the Canadians, <laughs> let's get off the Stanley Cup business. Kirk Mueller back with the Canadians. That's right, as associate coach. Mm. So sitting there when when Bergevin decides he's going to let Therrien take the take the fall. That's right. But there to heat up their power play, perhaps.
2: Well, they need a lot of help. I don't know. I, I, mean, I mean, Mueller was in there before, you know, assisting in the, in the old days with you know, but. Uh, uh, it's it'll be good to have somebody who's won who's you know still alive who's won the cup last time in ninety three <laughs> somebody who thinks that scoring goals
1: actually is part of the game exactly which uh, yeah, I'm waiting it's, it's, to see who the Canadians draft with that first pick when well their first pick in the draft um, see if they can find some like twenty goal a year grinding forward
2: <laughs> that's it I
1: mean Miller
0: Miller's I, I think a good pick because he has a certain amount of interesting pedigree from oh, his yeah. kind of coaching in recent years but like Whenever the Canadians are are faced with uh, difficult times and big decisions, it's just like, oh, who played in a championship winning team for this same team? Mm -hmm. It's just an incredibly limited gene pool of coaches, players and general managers. And I think that's kind of part of the reason They're, they're, they're basking off traditions that are looking increasingly distant nowadays. Like Liverpool. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Liverpool have won stuff at least more one recently European than the Canadians have. know. Don't remind me. I don't know. I just I, I I can't see much in the way of good things. I don't. I think it's far more than just the power play that hurt them and caused them to throw away. So, oh yeah, the regular season so spectacular. What a great start, year. you know? Yeah, one of the one well, of
1: the, I mean, obviously you lose Carey Price and that's it. But that but that's because the team is designed. Uh, On the basis that Carey Price is only going to give up one or two goals every game. And therefore, you only need to score two or three goals every game. And that's all they're ever going to score. You know, it's it's ridiculous. And let's move on now from the NHL. But before we do, no NHL for another year. But let's say goodbye to To Gordie Gordie Howe. Howe. Bye, Gordie. What a great, I mean, Mr. Hockey, well-deserved, the dirtiest player who ever played the game and the most successful at it.
2: I mean, let's be, not many people can boast playing in six different se- uh, decades, twenty-three seasons, uh, retiring at the age of fifty-two, uh, and and just being you know beyond you know somebody who transcended the game, transcended so much that Wayne Gresky, uh anyway, it was when, you, when, you, when somebody's Wayne Gretzky's idol, you know you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. So um, and, and the reason why Wayne Gretzky was number ninety-nine for those who don't know. Greski wanted to wear just number 9 mm. uh when he when he got drafted by the Edmonton Oilers and uh or and, and came up and and his coach sort of said to him listen you be your own person you know okay be you know put another 9 in there you know because no oh, but Gordie Howe's my hero like, well you're 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 separate from Gordie Howe It's funny
1: Bobby Hall wore number 9 because Gordie Howe was number 9 and then when they played together on the 1974 WHA All-Stars who played the Russians Bobby Hull gave up number nine so that Gordy could wear it. And the Russian coach complained that it was a disgrace to hockey that a forty-six year old guy would be playing in this <laughs> in these games. And 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 I think it was the first game. He 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 went in and took a face off and drew it back to his son Mark, and Mark put it in the goal. And Howe just went and skated in the goal, picked it up on his stick, and then flipped it over to this Russian coach. <laughs> <laughs> I found a great picture of him um forklifting a Russian player with the blade of his stick, <laughs> which, which was great. Um, but Gordy and his sons came to Hartford after they, you know, Gordy retired twice. He retired at age 41 from the Red Wings and then came out of retirement because the WHA had started and they signed Mark and Marty out of juniors, uh, the Detroit junior wings, in fact. And then... Offered Howe the chance to play with his two sons, so he came out of retirement to do that. And then, after a few years in Houston, they moved to New England, to Hartford for the Whalers. And I wrote a piece called "The House That Gordy Built."
2: Uh, and, I like it. And his. when
1: the Telegraph included that in the obit that I would written for them about 18 months ago, they said, "As it was called in the press." And I'm thinking to myself, it wasn't as it was called in the press. It was as I called it when I wrote the, when I wrote this article. Although someone who knows might have got there um, beforehand. A friend of mine, one of my college friends, one of my best friends, was working for Howard Baldwin, the guy who owned the Whalers, and was a f- producing films, you know, sleazy films, but films. And he was out in Hollywood, and he calls me up in London back some day in the eighties and says, "Guess who was just in my office?" And I said, um, "Clint Eastwood." He said, "No, better than that." And I said, "Nastasia Kinski." <laughs> he said, "Better than that." Ray Don Chong, better than that. I said, "I give up." Who he says, "Gordie Howe." <laughs> And everything you heard from everybody about Howe being a nice guy, you know, off the ice, a gentleman, uh, you know, uh, someone who would basically make everybody feel wanted, was absolutely true. It's exactly what he did to my friend Berman. Keith Olbermann, if you YouTube, you can find Olbermann doing a tribute to Gordie Howe, saying exactly the same thing from when he was a kid. And the other interesting thing was that Howe and John Beliveau retired the same year. Seventy-one, and the NHL waived the normal waiting period for the Hall of Fame and put them both in the Hall of Fame together. So, if you watch like Jean Belvos last ceremony at, at the Forum, you know, Gordy Howe comes out to um, to present him. It's it's a really touching moment, especially because you can see Howe is struggling to you know to keep it together because he was suffering from dementia uh, by then. And um, yeah. we don't see again like Ali. It, it's interesting; they don't transcend sport as much but they do in Canada just not worldwide the way that Ali did That's but right. you know we it's there are more guys who's like we won't see
2: and I'll, you know just to throw in a reference for Ferris Bueller's Day Off you know like uh, when uh, when you know Cameron wears the Gordie Howe jersey the whole thing but the whole but they doing the whole movie but it's set in Chicago so people saying why was he wearing a Detroit Red Wings Gordie Howe jersey is because uh, John Hughes was a huge Gordie Howe fan yeah and he, you know, everyone said, "No, you got to put a Stamakita or Bobby Hall jersey on there." He said, this, "It's a Chicago film." It's, no, he wanted to give a nod we, to Gordy Howe. We, we 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 can't talk about Gordy Howe's passing and his legacy without talking about the Gordy Howe hat trick.
1: That's true. And you know how many Gordy Howe hat tricks Gordy Howe actually had in his career? It
2: wasn't that many, actually. Two. That's right, yeah. Although
1: I have the feeling that they do that by counting up major penalties and that Gordie Howe had a bunch of one-punch knockouts that didn't go down as five-minute majors. But, yeah, a goal and assist and a fight in the same match. You know who holds the NHL record for Gordie Howe hat-tricks?
2: I forget now. It's, it's, Brendan it's, Shanahan. It's Brendan Shanahan with five or something like that. A 17. 17. Well, uh, although yes, Rick, right.
1: Rick Tockett had 18 if you count the playoffs. That's right. I did a little <laughs> research on that one. OK, so goodbye, Gordie Howe. Goodbye, NHL, for another year. Let's move on to the NBA and Hollywood.
0: The court is shiny, the ball is round, but damn, I can't stand that squeaky sneaker sound. The NBA final is a repeat. Last year was the upstart Golden State Warriors tried to deny LeBron... Finals glory yet again. It's LeBron James' sixth straight finals after he and the Cavs surged through against the Raptors, losing their only two games in the playoffs up to that point. The Warriors beat the Oklahoma City Thunder in seven, despite having been 3-1 down at one point in one of the greatest all-time comebacks in the NBA. Uh, And to begin with, in the finals this year, it looked routine, despite the fact that the Splash Brothers couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. They sunk 20 points between them, uh, as bench warmer Sean Livingston picked up the slack and landed 20, his own damn self. Uh, 1-0 in the series, soon became 2-0. Draymond Green dominated at both ends of the court, picking up 28 points as Curry again struggled, both of his shooting and his discipline. Didn't matter, though. They left the Oracle Arena with a 33-point win that left LeBron flabbergasted. they just beat us, he said. We didn't win anything. Back in Cleveland, the uh, the Cavs made a game of it, putting on a shooting masterclass. LeBron and Kyrie barely missed. And Richard Jefferson helped box the Warriors in another 30-point victory. This time it was 2-1 in the series. But Game 4 was business as usual. A pleading Cleveland crowd couldn't stop the Warriors winning and going to the brink of their second championship on the trot. But it was the game of the dick punch. The conference finals, you might remember that Draymond Green gave Stephen Adams of the Thunder a love tap to the gentlemen's unmentionables. Uh, And in Game 4, he did the same thing to LeBron while apparently calling him a bitch. LeBron was not happy with it. The ref deemed it a flagrant one and he was banned for Game 5. No surprise, the Warriors then went on to lose. Went back to Oakland, and LeBron and Kyrie put on a show. Irving shot 70% from the field, got 41 points overall, a record only matched by Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, LeBron also had 41, a game dominated by the Cleveland uh, offense, and some indisciplined Golden State defense. Injury to Andrew uh, Bogut, it could yet jinx the Warriors' chances as it goes to Game 6 on Friday. In Cleveland. Yeah, it's going to be... That's, that's, that series is... It may still get good yet, because I think it's been pretty disappointing so far.
1: Everyone was looking forward to the superstar versus superstar thing, and that's not the way it plays no. out. And the worst thing you could do is to get LeBron angry. To the point where he decides, I will carry the game. Yeah, and and you know, if you watch that game all it is is LeBron and Irving going one on one. Yeah, incessantly, um, with a lot of success. But when Draymond's back in Game Six, that becomes more difficult to do because their matchups are better, and Harrison, um, Harrison um, Barnes, Barnes didn't really step up in Game Five uh, on either side of the ball. Well, it's
0: become increasingly clear as the series has kind of gone on that it's not necessarily. Um, it doesn't necessarily matter too much whether Steph or Clay uh, are the player who's on fire and who's going to carry the team. But the player who really does carry the, the team is Draymond Green. And then once he's out, you've lost a huge kind of swathe of your potential scoring. And you've also lost someone who can defend cleanly underneath the basket because Steve Coe has just told the Warriors to basically show that you're not just a system team and that you can mix it up but yet they foul with no finesse at all yeah, and it's it's that. three points almost every single time i mean it's cleveland can ride some seriously heavy challenges underneath the basket and still put it in and it's got it's been it's given them kind of sort of a, a almost like a three point shooting percentage um, as the games have gone on, which is really hurting the Warriors. I think the, I think the Cavaliers. I mean, I've said this a fair bit this season in the postseason. I think the Cavaliers are going to win this now. It'll
1: be interesting to see if they go big when Draymond yeah. is back, because they had some success with that. Um, yeah, which,
0: which is kind of a way of playing that. You, you, in theory, the Warriors the Warriors do the opposite of that. Yeah. Um, but they've always had that in their locker with Bogart and Draymond. Um, I, I think the Cavs are going to win
1: it. Hmm, that's interesting. You know, someone who's around middle stump as often as Draymond ought to really be playing cricket. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's that's so true. Now, but, there's one thing that, uh, that this series, and and I'll tie it in with the Stanley Cup as well, um, it's affected the schedules for, well, not anymore for the Stanley Cup, but this has been the the, the one year for both the NHL and the NBA where the, the games have been staggered in between I, I, like there was a three-day yeah. wait between yeah. Game Five, Game Six, and uh, and and, and I've, I've a good friend of mine, Mark official who used to work with me at the at NHL International and helped out on all the international stuff for us in Channel Five and all that kind of stuff. He's now working at the NBA. He's now the keeper of the cup, the keeper of the trophy yeah. for the NBA. So he has to wear the white gloves, a la uh, yeah. Stanley Cup guys, right, who also know very well now. They've been. Don't forget, uh, San Jose and Golden State isn't that far away. So he's been bringing the NBA trophy to the to the Stanley Cup games as well, and vice versa. Just sort of like you know to show it off, you know, as to, to in the, in the Bay Area to keep uh, both sets of fans happy. Um, but he he told me he was killing him because just like these. Dull days in between. Yeah. You know, that just, you know, if it's doing for somebody who's a keeper of the cup or keeper of the NBA trophy, imagine
1: what does the playoffs Well, it's no coincidence they've scheduled, you know, the game seven's been scheduled for a Monday night, uh, which will, you know, for TV, you know, for TV will be it's one of the richest uh, nights of the week. Yeah, That's exactly. Right. And you don't want it in the afternoon on a weekend because. Yeah, there, I
0: mean, there's been a disjointedness and a lack of momentum to this series, which is in. In paper, on paper, close, and two sort of finely matched teams, but none of the games individually have been finely matched. there have been one set of players uh, or one team at least dominating. Because besides last night,
1: four was fairly balanced.
0: Yeah. Well, Golden State
1: of, had to come from behind to win that
0: one. Yeah, and, and last night, kind of, uh, they were in it for a bit, um, and and Clay was back to shooting kind of uh, from all over the court Akron Uh, yeah which kind of has not really um, uh, he hasn't done a huge amount of in this particular series but I think like I kind of felt that after uh, the Warriors Thunder series which was just an incredible series involving some of the best games of basketball I've ever seen uh, not that my kind of basketball watching goes back that far but I stayed up Uh, sort of, uh, I think it was Friday before last, or Saturday before last, to watch Game 5, which was absolutely amazing when there was the beginning of the big comeback uh, for the Warriors against the Thunder. This has all seemed a bit like an anti-climax. It seemed very exciting, but I think the last two games uh, could potentially really rescue this and turn this into something extraordinary. And I'll feel a tiny bit sorry for LeBron if he doesn't get it, to be honest. I don't think
1: I will, but...
2: (laughs) (laughs) I hate it when the um, both the NBA and the NHL dip so deep into June. I know um, it's, oh, I, me it's too. rainy June.
1: Me too. It shouldn't. Yeah. I mean,
2: if you're in Britain, you'd hardly notice. But you're, you're burnt out from the regular season, which already feels like such a long yeah. time ago, and uh, just keeping interest going. You know, just it's, you're dragging. I mean, your,
1: the, I saw the Calder Cup just finished last that's week right. as well, mm-hmm. the AHL championship, and and I remember that being done you know in April.
2: That's so, right, I and mean, the NHL should never dip into June. No. And, and it's not even an Olympic year, uh, Winter Olympics, so the reason why he still does dip into June is inexcus- inexcusable.
1: Yeah, agreed. Let's move on now to the MLB, and that's me.
2: When I'm swinging
0: the bat, smashing the balls, looking around, feeling the cold, cold sweat. I think of you
1: in the American League, races are tight. The Orioles and Red Sox are tied at the top of the East, Toronto three games back. The Indians lead the Central by two games over the Royals, three over the Tigers, three and a half over the White Sox. And the Rangers, with a 6.09 winning percentage, are four and a half up on Seattle in the West. But over in the Natural League, everybody on top is playing great ball. Washington has a 6.25 winning percentage. They're up by five over the Mets, seven over the Marlins. The Giants in the West have a 600. And they're up by six over the Dodgers, who are just one game over 500. And in the Central, the Cubs are 43-19, almost a 700-winning percentage. The Cardinals, at 556, are eight and a half games back, and uh, which is the same as the Indians, who lead the AL Central, their record, and 11 and a half games back are the Pirates, who are one game over 500 themselves. But Clayton Kershaw got his seventh win of the season last night, beating Johnny Cueto of the Giants, 13 Ks in eight innings for them. Jake Arrieta won 8-2 over the Braves, got his tenth win after not getting a win in his last start, which everyone was amazed at. And Arrieta is now batting 276 on the season, which isn't as good necessarily as Baumgardner, who wants to be in the home run derby. And Madison Baumgartner is arguing with the team over that. He says he does everything the team wants him to do. He's pitched five innings of relief on two days rest in the World Series. He takes batting practice with the hitters. Why can't he take the home run derby? In other news, U- Uleski Aguriel, the Cuban third baseman who played last year for Yoke, the Yokohama Bay Stars and then for Industrialis in Cuba, is now a free agent and can be signed by any Major league team like the Yankees, who have a whole lot of money. The Yankees like Ike. They've signed the former Mets first baseman, Ike Davis, who was hitting 268 at Round Rock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to replace Mark Teixeira, who's out for the season with a knee, Greg Bird and Dustin Ackley, who are both out for the season with shoulders. Chris Parmalee, who was the last journeyman they signed to replace these guys, is out with a hamstring. And they didn't call up Nick Swisher, who's a, fr- a first baseman, cum outfielder, who's in their own farm system and is batting 254 in Triple A. And finally, Stephen Wright has the lowest ERA in the American League. I love knuckleball pitchers <laughs> when they pitch for the Red Sox.
2: <laughs> And there we go. So, another thing we, get, we can mention as well is uh, you, you know you alluded to uh, Nick Swisher, uh, one of the nicest guys I've ever met in baseball. His nickname was Red Light, because every time a red light went on the camera, he ran to it and he wanted to be interviewed. <laughs> and he was he was a great for sound bites and all that. But uh, uh, interesting story about Nick Swisher is when I went to interview him in Oakland years ago, when he was when, when he was an athletic. Uh, I wanted to talk about Moneyball because he's in the book Moneyball. Right. And he told me like uh, one thing. I, he goes, "Sorry, dude, I I got I didn't read the book." So he goes, oh, you didn't read the book. And he goes, "No, I don't read." I said, "You don't read?" <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, I can read, but I choose not to." And I said, Ex- "Explain." And he goes, "I'm worried about my. I'm a batter, so I'm I'm keeping my vision." He doesn't read newspapers. Oh. He doesn't read magazines. Doesn't read books. He uh, he he opted not to. And it, it, shoeless Joe Jackson was like that, although he couldn't read. But uh, there you go. Exactly. But he
1: used to sit there with a candle. Staring at a candle to to work, you know, to strengthen his eyes. Basically, he'd cover one eye and then stare at the at the candlelight.
2: Exactly. Well, so I found that actually being more interesting sort of than him being Moneyball. So, yeah. Uh, another thing to mention uh, in Major League Baseball, Ichiro is Zimmer framing his way to three thousand. <laughs> he's uh, he's twenty three hits away. He got he went three for four last night uh, for the Marlins, and so he's getting there. He's already shoeing for the uh, for the Hall of Fame. Absolutely I'm sure, but that uh, three, Magic 3000 will make him a shoe-in. And one thing I want to put, point out as well, Max Kepler uh, of the Minnesota Twins, he's a product of the European MLB Academy, which I'm, I'm proud of. And, and he, hit he hit a walk-off grand, a walk-off a home grand slam
1: home run. It's right, exactly. Against the Red Sox.
2: And so he's, uh, it shows that the Europeans can play baseball. This
1: was an amazingly frustrating game. The The Twins were up like 4-1. <laughs> the Red Sox got three runs in the eighth to tie it. They they went to 10, and John Farrell used Tazawa in the eighth for one inning and then Uehara in the eighth in the ninth for one inning. So they threw, I think, 24 and 14 pitches each. And then with two days off after this game and with Craig Kimbrell in the bullpen, he passed on Kimbrell, who hadn't pitched in a couple, of, I think in four days at that point. And went with Matt Barnes, who proceeded to walk the first – bat oh, no, it wasn't a Grand Slam, wasn't it? I think it just he, a few run the He over. walked the first, walked yeah. the first batter and, that he faced and then uh, gave up the home run uh, to Kepler. So You,
2: made, you put a sense of down my head. Was, was it a Grand Slam? I, thought no, I, I Yeah, that. That. I was thinking of another <laughs>
1: one. Um, but, but you know, I hate when when managers play by the numbers, you know, and don't use a closer in, in a situation, you know, like that. Exactly. Especially when you're a team that can score runs the way the Red Sox
2: do. Exactly.
1: That's it for baseball at the moment. Let's move on to NFL news. And the big story in the NFL is Fletcher Cox of the Eagles signing a six-year, $100 million contract, 63 mil guaranteed, although it's 36 guaranteed in the first two years. And then there are kind of escape clauses that can be generated. It puts him as probably the second or maybe third highest paid defensive lineman in the league on a per annum basis it's also the most bonus money guaranteed that anyone who's not a quarterback has ever got in the n8 in the nfl and it also moves the bar up for von miller who still is unsigned and turned down a six-year almost 60 million dollar deal from denver with 40 million guaranteed and mohammed wilkerson who has been franchised by the Jets and uh, may not report because he doesn't want to sign his franchising until he has a new deal. Um, in other news, uh, Tom Brady is still uh, waiting to find out if they will go en banque to the uh, Court of Appeals on his, th- on his uh Latest hearing with Roger Goodell. Stephen Tullock will be eventually released by the Lions, who for some reason have let him know they're going to let him go, but won't let him go, which then hinders his ability to sign with another team. And that's about it, I think, for NA- NFL news. Although Marquise Goodwin, thank you to Patrick Jackson, our our three points man, who keeps track of the official historian for. America Carnage points out that Marquise Goodwin, the wide receiver from the Buffalo Bills, won the long jump at the Birmingham Diamond Athletics meeting last week and is trying out for the U.S. Olympic team. He asks, what other multi-sportsmen do the gang and, Mike, think we should be aware of? I mean, nowadays there aren't that many. Nate Ebner from the Patriots is playing with the U.S. Rugby Sevens team and wants to qualify for the Olympics. Um, He's about the only one I can think of.
2: Victoria Pendleton.
1: Victoria Pendleton has switched from cycling to uh,
2: what is it? Was it was it riding? I is remember. it riding? I think Horse so. riding, I as opposed just, to bike riding. It's a dressage.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the past, you can look at guys like Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders played, you know, played both sports. Um, yeah. Jordan from. Um, From the uh, Atlanta Falcons, um, defensive back. And
2: and of course, Jordan of the NBA. Jordan of the NBA played minor league baseball
1: (laughs) Bill uh, Sharman played minor league baseball, Triple A, while he was playing basketball. Gene Conley. Jim Thorpe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jim Thorpe. Gene Conley pitched in the majors and played for the Celtics at the same time. John Elway. John Elway played in the minors. Danny Ainge played in the minors. Neither of them could hit a curveball.
2: Exactly. And of course, uh, don't forget Josh Booty couldn't hit a curveball. And yeah, don't good.
1: forget uh, Babe Didrikson, golf hurdles in the Olympics. Uh, great Joan Joyce, uh, softball pitcher.
2: And Tom Glavin, um, of course, was drafted by the L.A. Kings as a goalie, but opted to play baseball for the Atlanta Braves and won a few Young go. awards. I think he would have. I think he just chose well there. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. You know yes. what I hate with the You know what I hate with the NFL season? What? When it dips so deep into June? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Didn't you say that already? I thought you were going to say it made you miss baseball or, some, or something like that. Um, one NFL question from Darren Rogers. Will the Jets actually start with Geno Smith under center this year? Well, he probably won't be under the center, but he'll probably be behind <laughs> behind him. But um, I think it's looking more and more likely all the time if they can't reach agreement with Fitz. Although, you know, having said that, if they get Fitz in by the beginning of training camp, he played in the same system last year. It won't be that hard. Uh, I would suspect he's the starter uh, if he's there when tr- when training camp opens. Anything else, guys? Dan? No. No. Nah, Eric?
2: So. Again, <laughs> no. Know. Well, that was that was fast and furious, uh, especially in a week. Is ahead. it a birthday game today? There was no birthday game today. Oh, I'm Sorry, I forgot. He, I love the birthday game. I yeah. will play the birthday game next time I'm here. Oh, damn it. Once, the, I, once I surpass Spooner
1: and the guy and Dan you're supposed to come up with the games aren't you isn't that well, the usual thing
2: I thought
0: Eric was going to bring Sorry, bring it I guess Gordy howed out and now you got
2: gamed him. man <sighs> Eric gamed you I was busy doing this Tally Cup viewing and all it's a like real that. shame because oh. now
0: that we're not playing the, the birthday uh, game I can admit freely that I would cheated. have cheated. I would yes. have cheated. You looked it up, he's got it he's
1: got it he's got everything in front of him, all these oh, oh, oh. devices in front of him, waiting waiting to just waiting well, to do it.
0: It wasn't because I sort of like thought, Oh Machiavellian genius, I will win and make myself look good in the podcasting world. It was just because this morning on the news they were like it's Donald Trump's seventieth birthday oh, today and I was it? like, Oh wow, okay. So oh, wow. I then the thought talking oh, yeah.
1: the world's oldest talking yam. Yeah. Yeah, there's
0: loads of people like whose birthday it is today. It's Steffi Graf. Um oh, loads yeah. of people. Yeah.
1: I Loads. knew I knew you were going to cheat because your your um, Mac there was winking at me.
0: No, that wasn't because I was cheating. It was because I was looking at some di- most diverting uh, Victorian antique pornography. Oh, okay.
1: One last recommendation in the man cave mailbag, Damien B. I really do like the at Super Seventy Sports Twitter page. Well worth a plug on American. Carnage since I have retweeted it in numerous times. I will happily plug it. It's at Super 70s Sports. That's seven O with an S. Super 70s Sports. It is fantastic. You get these great photographs. Not all from the 70s, but enough of them from the 70s to keep me happy. Because that was just a great era for weird clothes, weird hairdos, and weird people. And speaking of weird people, Harry, the producer. Good night, gentlemen. It's in been the lovely house. listening to you. Our thanks to our guest, Eric Jensen, working you. his way up. The Hall of Fame for Carnage guests from Hollywood Dan Lowe and me, Iron Mike Carlson. Thank you for listening to America. American. All the jingles you hear on the show were produced by Nikki Spech. Go to Nikki to find out more. The Americanish theme was written and performed by Daystar. Go to Daystarband.com. This was an Americanage production.